Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? When are you guys going to learn? The more you indict, the more we unite. Facts. It's Trump 2024. We don't care. You heard me? We already made our mind up. You already know when the hood got your back. Man, they deep in the hood. Gangsters. Talking about Trump 2024. You heard me? Woo, woo. Wah. Gangsters. The hood got this man back. I'm just trying to tell you. You heard me? And we ain't, we ain't stupid, man. American people, man. We ain't, we ain't all them talking about lockdowns and back when the mask and all that. You know, they got a new virus coming and it's going to be, man, nobody don't care. Ain't fooling nobody no more with none of that. You know, new jack, man, nobody, nobody being fooled no more. We all the way up. You heard me? It's Trump 2024. That's what it's going to be because we ain't having nothing else. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back. Hour number three of the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Hope you get our podcast, Wendy Bell Radio, wherever you get your favorite listening materials. One and a half million downloads strong. We invite you to join the family. Easy to do. Just plug in Wendy Bell Radio and you're off to the races. Give us a five-star review and maybe suggest us to a liberal friend. It's how we're going to take over the world, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so we're going to go 4,000 miles away. I'm in Pittsburgh. I'm pretty sure our friend Peter Emanuelson, who goes by the handle Peter Sweden, is 4,000 miles away from where we are. And he is a fabulous source of information to keep our eye on Europe, what's going on globally, geopolitically. Some very exciting things happening in Sweden. Peter, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me again. It's great to be back. You know, you caught me with your Sweden Scraps UN's Agenda 2030 Goals headline on your Substack. Tell everybody what's <laughs> going on because you're seeing some actual encouraging signs where you are in the world. Yes, Sweden has uh, surprisingly been doing a lot of uh, good things lately. Um with the new year, they scrapped uh, climate taxes on fuel, which uh, caused uh, fuel prices to be dramatically lower uh, than when we had uh, than when we had a socialist government. Because we have gotten a new right-wing government in Sweden now, and they're doing a lot of uh, a lot of things, including scrapping Agenda 2030 goals in directives to different government organizations, uh, such as uh, the Swedish Energy Agency. Uh, the Swedish Agency for Marine and Water Management, the Food Agency, among others, uh, that are actually scrapping, uh, taking away the Agenda 2030 goals outlined in the directives to these organizations. Uh, so what we're seeing is that they are putting less focus on it and putting more focus on other things. You know, I think just the, the gas issue is such a big deal, Peter. Um, and we're looking at how the German farmers and the truckers are pushing back against that government trying to take away, um, you know, the, the break that, that we're giving in agriculture to these, these diesel taxes. It's just crippling. Mm. How is something that simple in, in terms of, of a fuel tax being rescinded or your prices coming down? How does that affect you and your economy there? Well, it's uh, there already been talks about that this could actually um, 
affect uh, inflation in a positive way because the fuel prices are coming down uh, and might actually put a um, put a break on the inflation that we have been seeing. Because of course, Sweden, as well as many other countries, have been experienced very high inflation in the last few years because of the high energy prices. Now we are seeing uh, actually, but in the new year, um, energy price uh, prices for diesel and the gasoline. Uh, the diesel prices are down around 39% in the new year compared with 2022 when the socialists were in power. So the right-wing government in Sweden has been uh, doing a lot, actually, to, yeah. um, to, cut this, uh, yeah. to cut down on the taxes and to make it easier for regular people to afford to live. Um, yeah, the Swedish, uh, and it's, it's the Swedish Democrats, the right-wing uh, party, that... Uh, uh, have been um, that have been a major driver for these things. Um, I can quote from the spokesperson from the environment and climate spokesperson for the Swedish Democrats, who said that quote, uh, "We don't see any added value with Agenda 2030 work, and we welcome the development during the reign of the Social Democrats and the Green Party, Agenda 2030, and the gender equality uh, have been put in place everywhere." And we do not think that that is one of the most important tasks for mm. authorities. So we are seeing a major shift in Sweden now after uh, the voters decided to vote for a different kind of government. Right. And I had read for a while, you guys had to hit kind of a near bottom, didn't you? I mean, things things were not going well in Sweden, Peter, for your country to uh, galvanize around a change and go to a right wing government. How bad did things get? I remember reading about fire bombings and all this other stuff. What, what was mm. what was life like there? Yeah, and things are st- have still been pretty bad uh, last year in 2023 as well, even after the new government has taken power. Of course, it takes some time to change things around. Uh, but during the reign of the Socialist Democrats, uh, Sweden saw uh, record increases in the number of uh, reported rapes, uh, so record number of bombings uh, and shootings and so on, and gang crime just completely spiraling out of control. Uh, so bad that we had 61 no-go zones in Sweden. Um, in fact, last year, 2023, uh, of course, it takes some time for to be able to turn things around. But there was around 150 bombings in Sweden last year, which is a bombing almost every other day. It's it's insane, and it's uh, it's gang wars that are fueling this. And of course, the new government actually announced. Uh, uh, last year, a few months ago, and uh, that they would be cracking down on the gangs, that they would actually be deploying the military to assist police in stopping the gangs in the no-go zones. So definitely a big shift from the socialists, for sure. Forgive me for not being more knowledgeable about your government. How long had you slogged through socialist governance? Like, how long did it take for it to get to that point? Well, um, Sweden has historically, for many decades, had very socialist governments. The socialist democrats have been huge for many, many decades in the 70s, 80s. Uh, and we had a little bit of a shift in the 2000s towards a so-called right-wing, more conservative government. But in reality, they were not much different from the socialist democrats. Uh, in fact, they basically just continued the same policies more or less. Then we got the socialists back in power again up until 2022 when uh, people voted for the center-right and the right-wing parties. Uh, So we definitely have the most conservative 
uh, and conservative influence government now than we have had uh, in a very, very long time in Sweden. So we're only 18 days into this new year, Peter. Tell me about mm. any other changes that you feel. Do the people there, do they feel a change? Is there somewhat of a, of a relaxing? Do people feel optimistic, like things are going to get better? Because where we are in America, I mean, you watch it. It's awful, right? And people feel like they're buried by it. Mm. Well, from what I've been seeing and hearing from people, definitely they are very happy about the fuel, uh, the cheaper fuel prices for sure. It's going to be a huge uh, uh, relief for the for the economy of regular people. Um, when it comes to the general mood, I mean, of course, it takes some time to change things around. Things are still pretty bad in Sweden when it comes to the gang crimes and so on. But uh, yeah, it definitely seems to have calmed down a little bit since since the government announced these tougher measures that they will be going after the gangs much harder. So hopefully we will be see we will be seeing more, more better right. better going into the future. But uh, yeah, of course it takes some time to change things around. I feel like you're a step ahead of us and the government that pretended to be a little bit more moderate to me um, would be like rhinos here, rhino Republicans in name only here in the mm. United States, right? So so tell me, mm. and, and for folks who aren't familiar with how much climate impacts this global agenda, what do you think was the final straw mm. for your new government to get out of this 2030 UN nonsense? Well, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, it's difficult to say exactly what... Um, what is what is the driving force behind it? I mean, the government as well, they scrapped the renewable energy plans uh, that, because Sweden used to, under the socialists, they came up with the renewable energy that Sweden would be 100% renewable energy. They scrapped those plans and instead they're focusing on building more nuclear power. Um, I mean, obviously, to anyone with a brain, the whole climate agenda won't work. Uh, if you're going to have to rely on unreliable wind power, of course, the economy is going to suffer from that. So perhaps someone with the, with the brain <laughs> came into power and, uh, and decided that, yeah, maybe we need to do something more, um, more smart to, uh, to be able to keep, uh, to keep uh, the economy going in the future and not, to, and not to just listen to all of the climate fanatics. Um, Isn't it so common uh, sense? It's so common sense, Peter. It's not. It's not hard yeah, to see that it's, this is all nonsense. And all of these clowns in Davos. Mm. Do you cover this with the same uh, feeling I have, where it's just a bunch of elitists who are completely disconnected and want to destroy life and freedom as we know it? Yeah, it's def- most definitely. They are using climate change as an excuse to transfer wealth and power from the regular people to the elites. Uh, I, uh, I've actually coined the term, I've used this term before, I call it climate communism. Mm-hmm. It's basically very similar to what they did in the Soviet Union, where the Soviet Union, they seized the farmers, they took control from regular people and gave it to themselves, but now they're doing it under the guise of saving the climate. Uh, I saw, um, if you've been following the World Economic Forum in Davos, yes. actually one of the speakers there yesterday said that uh, farming and fishing should be labeled as ecocide and should be <laughs> and that it should be a serious crime. Peter, I think uh, I think I think you have I think you have a a, uh, a special power to see the future because I have that audio soundbite from that wacky liberal coming up after this. Uh, Peter Emanuelson, aka Peter Sweden, follow him. He's fantastic. His Substack is great. Peter, thank you for your time, and we hope to have you back, ladies and gentlemen. More after this on the Wendy Bell Radio Network.
Don't you wonder if if Sweden is far enough ahead of us or if maybe we can hit the gas on the suck that we've been living through and we can vote in what's right and get this thing going again? Like, it gives me hope, and I think it's important to go to places like Sweden, to hear from people like Peter, who say the process of recovering what we've lost is going to be slow, but it's optimistic. Cutting gas prices by 40%. Like, what? That's huge. Which is, of course, why there's this push against fossil fuels, and that's why, of course, Joe Biden campaigned on it. It's Barack Obama's campaign promise, of course. To make things miserable and uncomfortable, overpriced, to browbeat you, to break you at your knees, to tell you that, you know, you'll get what we give you and you'll like it. No, thank you. And this whole climate agenda is so absolutely preposterous. Did you guys know that, and this is according to Peter's Substack, that the global goals for the UN's 2030 agenda, which is all about sustainable garbage, it's about using unproven science and scare fear mongering to make you radically change your behavior, spend money on technology that sucks all to enrich people who don't deserve your money and steal from the poor. Thank you. I'll be here all night. Right. What more do you need to know? That's what it is. It's total garbage. Did you know that the, the global goals of the of the agenda 2030 app comes installed on Samsung Galaxy phones? Ew. D- don't tell me that, that the greatest threat to our democracy isn't the government that's currently in charge, right? So, and, and I don't want to lose you by continuing to go to the World Economic Forum. But the reason why paying attention to what these clowns are talking about is important is because they project to us what's coming. This disease acts. Okay, it's coming. All these other sustainable nonsense garbage things. These are the things that are, that are coming. And while every now and again you'll have a Donald Trump who will speak out at the World Economic Forum and tell the truth about freedom and liberty. You'll have dirtbags like this woman. Her name is Jojo. Jojo Meta, And she is the founder of a group called Stop ecocide now now for those of you listening and not watching on tv or the live stream this is a well-fed college-educated white elite democrat dirtbag just gonna say what it is because that is what it is she's gonna try to draw analogies that our mistreatment of the of the earth is like is like the murder of a human being it's a murder of something esoteric You know, that we can't measure, but because I said so, we're going to create this word ecocide. I want you to hear what nonsense, crazy, lunacy, leftist garbage sounds like. Here is Jojo Meta. I mean, ecocide as a word is becoming more, it's becoming better known around the world. And the concept is generally mass damage and destruction of nature. Um, But legally speaking, um, what our organization and other collaborators aim to do is to have this recognized legally as a serious crime. Because one of the issues that sort of pervades all of this discussion is that we have a kind of cultural, very ingrained habit of not taking damage to nature as seriously as we take damage to people and property. Um, and that, I mean, you know, if you're campaigning for human rights, at least you know mass murder, torture, all of these things are serious crimes. But there's no equivalent in the environmental space. Oh, um, and so, and, and you know, unlike a, 
an international crime like genocide that in involves a specific intent. With ecocide, what we see is actually what people are trying to do, what businesses are trying to do is make money, is, you know, is farm, is Ooh. fish, is oh. do all of these things that are, um, you know, producing energy and so on um, as well. But what's it, what's missing is the awareness and the conscience around the side effects, around the collateral damage oh. that happens with that. Oh, the collateral damage of farming and raising livestock or fishing or hunting, you terrible people. You're committing murder. Ew. She's the reason why I color my hair. <laughs> Too soon? Sorry. <laughs> it's ridiculous. She says damaging nature should be a serious crime. It's one of those nebulous ideas where somebody, it's like misinformation, right? Well, who decides what's real and what's not? Oh, we'll choose that. Really? Because I'm not down with that. I didn't vote for you. I don't believe I know who you are, and yet you want to stand up here and pretend like you're some expert who wants to take everything that I care about. Like, I don't know, meat. Meat. I like meat. <laughs> and why do you think they want to shut down Amos Miller's farm in Pennsylvania? It's the same thing. If you don't agree with what we say, we will we will take you out. We will shut you down and we will use you, Amos, as an example to everybody else out there. When we come rolling up on your property, you better open up and you better bend over because we're in charge. Ah. That didn't work so well for Sweden. Might have taken a while for them to say, hell no. But they did. And that's exactly what these hacks are worried about happening here in America. Coming up in just, what, nine short months, ten short months? Mm. Do not go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, it's a bombshell. It's a bombshell about that pipe bomb. Remember outside the RNC and the DNC? Oh, oh, Yeah. Something just came out about that. Wait for it next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. You know, danger to democracy in keeping with today's theme. The whole January 6th setup. Look, if you're still living under a rock and you think it was a bunch of people who honestly were going to Washington, D.C. that day and they wanted to overthrow the government. And by golly, they were going to break in and they were going to do whatever they needed to do. They were going to figure out that crazy labyrinthine area. They were going to dig around. They were going to find their way through the bowels of, of the Capitol. And they were going to find their way to wherever all the lawmakers were. And they were going to beat down the doors and they were going to say, we rule. And that was going to do something. Then you're an idiot and I don't have a word to save you. I don't know. I don't. Honest to God, <laughs> that has been the drumbeat narrative that these people who are now thrown away, many for, for more than a decade, and these people in the D.C. Gulag, the heat is off. It's not working. And so the January 6th defendants who do not have extra coats or, or, or blankets or anything are literally freezing. There is no warm water. And it is 55 degrees That is unacceptable. These people were set up. Look, do I believe the people who break the law should be punished for breaking the law? I do. I believe in law and order. I believe in consequences. I believe that we all have to abide by a reasonable expectation of rules and governance. And that we hold each other accountable. 
And by golly, we do a pretty good job of it. We all manage to merge onto the highway. Some people more challenged than others, but we do it, right? Anybody who still thinks that January 6th was just some random organic thing, like, wow, I can't believe that got so out of control. You know, the pipe bomb story, they needed to have an excuse for why there was such lackluster Capitol Police attendance at the Capitol that day. Because we took phone calls from folks who were on the front, very front lines of that, who were literally right at the bike racks that some people started to go like this and got sentenced to 18 years in prison for. Because that freaking makes sense. And they said, look, I've protested the Capitol multiple times. I have never seen so many people and so few Capitol Police officers there. It was purposeful, of course. They needed the Capitol Police to be, quote unquote, overrun. They needed people in the audience and also inside the Capitol who were undercover operatives. We know this. This is not me suggesting it. It's not a conspiracy theory. We know this in congressional testimony. All you have to do is listen to also what Thomas Massey says, what Clay Higgins says. They've gotten the the briefings. They know the details. So they needed to draw a story up about why Capitol Police, Metro Police might have been sucked off of the Capitol premises on January 6th to create this. We were just totally overrun. I had no idea what was happening, (laughs) which isn't true. And it was the pipe bombs. It's obvious it was the pipe bombs, right? Blaze Media, gotta love these folks, revealed a plainclothes Capitol cop found the DNC pipe bomb. Remember the stories? It was just some woman walking by like uh, she was going to go do her laundry or something. And she was like, oh, what is that? It looks like a pipe bomb. Would you know what a pipe bomb looks like if it blew up in your face? I wouldn't. Right? And then apparently... <laughs> apparently this device it was super top secret amazingly military grade equipped with a kitchen timer (laughs) as its trigger device come on man (laughs) here's your story video surveillance shows secret service and dc metro police finishing their lunches before acting on the discovery of the viable explosive device by a person previously identified as a passerby wait what the whole pipe bomb story wasn't real get out blaze media can now reveal that the person who discovered the pipe bomb at democratic national committee headquarters in washington dc on january 6 2021 was a United States Capitol Police plain clothes officer. You know what? I wonder if he has gotten a New York Times best-selling book deal. Has he gotten one? Because all the other co- the Capitol Police officers, right? All of those agents of suck. Michael Fanone. It was crazy. We thought we were going to die. Right? Harry Dunn. I heard people call me the N-word because... That's so in keeping with people dressed in American flags wearing MAGA clothes, right? We drop that all all the time on people. Makes perfect sense. 
As at 1.05 p.m. on January 6th, the then unidentified person casually approached a D.C. Metropolitan Police vehicle parked in the DNC's parking ramp driveway near South Capitol Street. If you're familiar with the area, I'm not, but okay. Reportedly to inform police officers that he had seen, I thought it was a woman, I was wrong. He had seen what appeared to be a pipe bomb. I think that's a pipe bomb over there, right? Wearing dark clothes and a backpack, the individual can be seen in a video posted on Republican Kentucky Representative Thomas Massey's YouTube channel. First speaking to an officer on the driver's side of the patrol car. He then casually walks around to the car's passenger side window where he leans into the car and chats for several seconds. I do that commonly when I need to alert the police about a potential incendiary device that could blow up the block. I lean in and say, oh, what are you eating? (laughs) Right? Come on. Again, in no apparent hurry, the person walks around to the driver's side of an adjacently parked black Secret Service SUV for a conversation with that vehicle's occupants. The SUV was parked only about 15 to 20 feet from the location of the alleged bomb. Boy, they sure sounded really worried about it. They were acting all freaky. (laughs) What else do we know? That the Secret Service vehicle was part of a motorcade that delivered Vice President-elect Kamala Harris to the DNC building only about 90 minutes earlier. Now, why in the world would she make a trip to the DNC? It's almost like she needed to be there so everybody could say, We found a device! And it was so close to the almost first female and black vice president. Oh. Isn't it just so gross? Don't you? I know you want to take a shower. I wish I had a loofah. I need a loofah sponsor. <laughs> Come on. Despite extensive media coverage of the two pipe bombs on January 6th, the first of which was found minutes earlier at the Republican National Committee headquarters on First Street. To this day, it's a mystery. No one knows why Harris was delivered to the DNC that morning rather than the Capitol to participate in the certification of the 2020 Electoral College votes. She was still a senator on January 6th. Wouldn't you want to be with your folks in Congress, right? Nah. You know what? Hey, Earl. Earl, get in here. Yes, Senator Harris. Look, I know that this whole big certification of the election thing, which is going to make me the first chick black woman vice president ever. right? Big historic day. You know, I know I should probably be there. I kind of have this vibe. Let's go see what's going on at the DNC. (laughs) Right? Of course. Makes perfect sense. Curiously, Harris's presence at DNC building and in proximity to the alleged pipe bomb was not revealed for a full year. It's so weird. Why, why wouldn't we know? Why, why wouldn't we know about that baggie of coke that has Hunter's fingerprints all over it, I'm sure? <laughs> why would we want to know? Politico had reported on the first anniversary of January 6th, quote, Uncertainty about Harris's whereabouts as a mob breached the Capitol building briefly bubbled up in a handful of criminal cases connected to the January 6th insurrection. In dozens of indictments, the Justice Department had erroneously described Harris, 
as being present inside the Capitol during the attack and only recently discovered the error. DOJ has since issued numerous superseding indictments to correct the mistake. Oh, it's kind of like Cassidy Hutchinson, the star January 6th defendant who alleges as a member of President Trump's communications team that she witnessed him lunge for the drivers, the steering wheel. I must go to the Capitol, he said. I mean, really? My son's eighth grade talent show, which was a joke, it was supposed to be the non-talent show, is better than this stupid drama that is put out there and is beefed up by a media that does not know how to think critically. That long ago got onto the payroll, I guess. Is this so disgusting? I mean, come on, even more curious is why Harris has never tried to milk public sympathy for having been at the DNC headquarters. Can you believe I was so close to a thing that had a kitchen timer on it that looked like a bomb? I could have died. Really? So it was a plainclothes cop who seemed to know the other cops he was leaning into and chatting with. Hey, where are we going to go after dinner? Or after this whole thing today? Want to go out and have a few pints? How dare you? How dare you lie with such abandon, with no care for the collateral damage? The human beings who were wrongfully convicted, who had evidence that was withheld from them, exculpatory, think Jacob Chansley. And these people are rotting in prison while these jokers continue to get away with it. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back, love versus politics. Did you know that 30% of couples are in split political marriages? How do you do that? Uh, wait for this one <laughs> next. All right, so how many of you know someone or yourself are in a relationship with a spouse or a partner who has opposite political views than you? And how the hell do you do that? I, I give you fierce props. I would have a very difficult time. Now, see, we don't talk about it at home. Very much. I will say that. I do very little talking about politics at home, but I have to imagine it would be super stressful to be in a relationship with a spouse or a partner who believed everything politically opposite from you. How do you do that? Well, I found this. (laughs) I found this one website. It's called Study Finds. And it says love versus politics how news coverage triggers fights in divided couples as u.s politics continue to heat up ahead of the 2024 presidential election researchers from the university of illinois at urbana champaign are offering a peek into the struggles of american couples with opposing political viewpoints like how do you do it do you, do you have to have a plan right you have to have a plan here's our agreement I like Trump. You like somebody else. What are we going to do to survive? Because I have to be able to find you appealing. 
I, I have to I have to write and everything about the left I find very unappealing. How do you carve past that? You know, how how, how do you how do you get through that? Because now everything is seen through the lens of politics. American politics have been extremely polarizing for quite some time now. True. Republicans and Democrats, whether it be on Capitol Hill itself or on social media, appear incapable of civil interaction on a disturbingly frequent basis. Now, researchers say the biggest trigger for political fights between romantic partners is news media coverage. <laughs> Who's still watching? The team at UI set out to investigate what impact this has had on the estimated 30% of American adults in relationships with partners who do not share their political views. What? Almost one in three of us? That's crazy. God bless you. Because it wasn't politics that obviously attracted you to each other. But I wonder if it's driving you away. Communication professor Emily Van Doon held in-depth interviews with 67 people dating someone with opposing political views. For these couples, study authors explain, decisions that appear kind of mundane on the surface, like choosing which TV uh, channel to watch, can be especially difficult. Oh man, life is hard enough, right? Good Lord. Their cross-cutting political views presented many challenges for these couples, this professor writes. Deciding which media to consume and whether to do so together or separately was difficult because it presented them with a choice about recognizing their political differences and finding a way to navigate them. They saw the news as inherently political and their selection of a news outlet or the act of sharing an article or video meant that they were intentionally pulling their partner into a recognition of their political differences. That is just, I have a dull aching pain right now just thinking about that. It's hard enough when I get home and I realize that people forget that they do dishes, that I don't have to do them all. I'm not even worried about politics. Just flush the toilet, right? I live with six men, so what can you say? Notably, I love that this news coverage is 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 the thing that's driving people apart, because while I work for Newsmax and I have my own news company, if it's causing strife, there's a real quick way to get around that, isn't there? Turn it off or watch it later. I don't know. Notably, news coverage in particular activated differences between partners that would have otherwise remain hidden, ultimately sparking conflict as well as discussion and debate. Political conflicts between partners materialized in various ways, such as disagreements over news sources and content or one person failing to respond as intensely as their significant other after the latter shared a particular piece of news maybe they'd considered especially disturbing or alarming <sighs> isn't marriage hard enough my golly these differing political beliefs of or identities in relationships created the need for couples to influence or negotiate their news consumption woof among all these individuals 39 were women 27 were men one person identified as non-binary whatever <laughs> They, they that just by saying that <laughs> you're telling me what side you're on. They identified as a DC pipe bomb. The majority of participants were in heterosexual relationships and had been seeing their partner for more than 2 years. Most were white, 11 were black, 11 were Asian, 3 were Hispanic. So the takeaway what what is the ultimate takeaway in all of this? 
The point in their relationship when couples' political differences emerged affected how partners negotiated news with one another. While some were aware of their ideological differences at the outset of the relationship, other individuals found that their shared tradition of amicably co-viewing the news together disrupted when their partners' views or party affiliation changed. Negotiations around news selection in cross-cutting relationships involved a negotiation of political identity as much as news exposure. The news sucks. Sad. It's true. And, and really, what are you getting out of it? Wouldn't you much rather choose people whose opinions you trust? And perhaps follow them on social media instead. I know a lot of you listening might not be active on social media. But there has to come a time where, where the news has lied to you for the final time. When you cannot take it anymore. And, and I'm going to go with when that threatens your, rela- your relationship with someone you otherwise really enjoy being around. I don't think conservatives can only be with conservatives or Democrats can only be with Democrats. But you can decide that the common ingredient that makes everybody crazy and is a cancer, and sadly so, is the media. Facts. All right, if you like what you hear, come on back tomorrow because we'll be back 21 hours away. Be safe. And thanks for being here. Peace. Peace.